3: We're listening to the
2: Vox Media Podcast Network.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. The best.
1: Let's version go, of baby.
3: It. Let's go. What is up, my friends? Thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday. We're switching things up a little bit. Hope you're having a wonderful day out there. Uh, we have a very, very busy weekend this week, so we're coming at you a little early, a little Thursday action. Uh, welcome to your weekend preview here on MMA Fighting. My name is Sean Oshadi, and I'm joined by the crew. You know them. Let me bring them in. We have the man with the best tattoos in MMA media, but also maybe MMA, period. I think he actually just got himself some new ink this week. It's this my Arizona brother, Jose Youngs. What's up, boss? Got the- we got the Lord of the Hot Take himself, Jed, Jed K. Mashu, joining us as well. I Can't say his name. <laughs> and hey guys, and then, the legend, Damon Martin, getting in on some preview show action as well. Uh, you got to love it. And of course, you say best
4: tattoos. You don't only talk about. You don't only talk about my Infinity Gauntlet. Jeez, man.
3: Hey man, I'll let Damon, you. I have fun, no man, idea huh? you had that.
4: <laughs> uh,
3: and then oh, of course yes, the did. undefeated EK Slade, so the man in the Lords. From the producer's desk. Yeah, when you said best
5: tattoos, I I was going to cut away to Damon, but I I realized we had a little rivalry on staff, so (laughs) jeez.
6: There's no rivalry. It's just facts. Look at that.
3: I like that. Uh, And thank you to you all as well for joining us. We're going to field your questions, comments later on in the show. But let's get rolling, fellas, because we have a lot to get to. It's a doubleheader this weekend. UFC 2 – sorry, UFC Vegas 51 and Bellator 277. You have Bilal Muhammad versus Vicente Luque on one side, two title fights. On the other side, A.J. McKee, Patricio Pitbull, too. Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov with a million on the line there. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Jose. The question is simple. Set the table for us. 28 fights between these two events, two days in a row. What's the best card of the weekend? And what's the single best fight of the weekend for you?
6: Uh, The answer is both Bellator 277. And it's not because the main event of the UFC Vegas 51 isn't great. Like It's a rematch between Vicente Luque and Blum Muhammad. That fight is awesome, especially for the welterweight division, which is obviously kind of in the headlines right now, especially at the top of the division. And These two, I think, have been kind of the dark horse for so long because they've been slowly and violently racking up wins. But the answer is Bellator 277. I mean, we all talked about it. Like when AJ McKee fought Patricio Pitbull the first time, everyone kind of billed that as the biggest fight in Bellator history against the two best fighters in the history of that promotion. So now they're running it back. Uh, AJ McKee obviously has never fought anywhere but Bellator, and he's also never lost uh, against Petrusu Pitbull, who I consider to be, if if you take into all the accolades and everything, he's either one or one B with with McKee uh, as the greatest fighters in the history of that promotion. And then Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson. I think Vadim, Vadim Nemkov he could be the best light heavyweight in the world. We don't know because he's not fighting. There's no cross promotion. Obviously, you're perhaps Golovchenko fighting. Uh, in a couple months in Singapore, but Vdim Nemkov, Fe- Fedor's protege is an inc- horrifying human being who puts people who puts people through a meat grinder, and then they come out looking like uh, disgusting, bloody, raw meat at the end of their fights. Corey Anderson has been talking all that greasiness; he's looked like a man possessed since leaving the UFC. So, uh, if we're talking storylines, high level martial arts interest in terms of the diehard fan base, I think all the, I think Bellator two seventy seven checks all the boxes. That's not to say the main event. For UFC rules, just the rest of that card, not great. If we're being honest,
3: <laughs> what do you think, Jed? Because I'm mean, Jose. If I'm being honest, you're right on all accounts there. For me, it's Bellator. This is a Bellator week. It's rare that we get a week where Bellator is the dominant card over the UFC. But to me, it's the, it's happening right now. And AJ McKee and Pitbull is the fight. If you had to pick one fight among all these, Jed Damon, Jed, you first. Do you guys agree? Is this a Bellator week?
7: Sure. I think everything Jose said is correct. Like, Oh, man, that was
3: unenthusiastic.
7: Because everything Jose said is, like, fundamentally accurate. But also, does a Bellator card happen if nobody knows it's happening? Because nobody knows this is happening or cares about <laughs> it at all. Which is great. Honestly, it actually makes sense. It's a very fitting follow-up to the biggest fight in Bellator promotional history, which was McKee Pitbull one. They have let McKee Pitbull two just kind of happen in silence because for whatever reason, like, I don't know, this should be a card we're stoked about because honestly there's a lot of other competitive, interesting fights going on in this Bellator card. I know Aaron Pico was originally going to fight, I think Kennedy, right? Um, but Aaron Pico still going to work. Uh, Tim Johnson, Linton Vassell are two of their top heavyweights. Mm. That mileage may vary there, I agree, but there are other things going on outside of the two fights, which I think Jose was nailed it. Like, these are the two best fights of the weekend. I think uh, uh, Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson is my pick for the best fight this weekend. It's the most relevant fight. It is my number two versus number three light heavyweight going to battle. And I will be frank, if Vadim Nemkov wins convincingly, he's probably going to move to my number one light heavyweight in the world after this fight. These are all things that should matter, and I cannot find it in me to be that pumped because – it doesn't feel like Bellator's that pumped. Like, it it does not feel like they care about this even. And maybe I'm wrong. I'd, I'd love it if you guys, you know, could convince me otherwise, but it really feels like Bellator's just kind of in cruise control on life now and that they aren't excited about bringing fights to us, even fights that are this big and important. And so, you know, this is a Bellator weekend from quality, but at the end of the day, like, I think – I certainly expect the u f c as meager as it is to still do
3: more numbers than Bellator will, Damon, get in here, man. do you agree with everything Jed's saying there? I mean, what's the sense you're getting headed into this?
4: I mean Bellator's got the better card, but you know I'm kind of with jed on the whole you know if if a Bellator card is happening and no one's around to watch it, did it actually happen because that's kind of the feeling with Bellator these days. Uh, but I will disagree on the best fight of the weekend. Listen, I love AJ McKee and Pitbull. I was super excited about the first fight. Ended in two minutes. Will the second one go that way? I doubt it, but I am still excited for it. And I actually am really looking forward to Corey Anderson, Vadim Nimkov, because, uh, you know, the argument is there. The winner of that fight is the number one light heavyweight in the world. You can't forget Corey Anderson trucked Glover Teixeira when he fought him in the UFC. And Vadim Nimkov has been on an incredible run. But I think the best fight of the weekend really is the main event in the UFC. And I say that because... You know, I've said it many times. Vicente Luque is the second most exciting fighter in the world right now, behind only Justin Gaethje. I mean, that guy just does not put on boring fights. You know, he starched Bilal Muhammad and, you know, whatever it was, like a minute 20 the last time out. Bilal has looked really good lately, beating Wonderboy, beating Damian Maya, uh, you know, high profile wins right there. And, and listen, Vicente Luque's fighting. I don't care if he's fighting Randy Brown, he's fighting Nico Price, he's fighting Mike Perry. Anywhere he's at, I'm gonna watch that fight. So, in terms of guaranteed excitement, I want to watch Vicente Luque. So that's my favorite fight of the weekend. Plus, you know, it's number it's you know, pretty two pretty high-ranked guys in the UFC. And even though neither one of them is gonna get a title shot right now, you know, it does set up some potentially good fights in the future, depending on what happens and what shakes out over the next couple months. So I still like that one the best because Luque's fighting. I'm guaranteed a fun fight. It's fair. I mean, let's
3: dive into it, Damon, because I mean, Jose, you spoke a bit about it. I want to start with UFC this week because, you know, it is UFC. And ultimately, we do know that more people will care about this fight than the Bellator fight, even if the Bellator card is better. Jose, I mean, you you know me. I've, I'm the biggest Vicente Luque guy out there. I've been driving this bandwagon for a long time now. Uh, but I hesitate to call this more than a one fight card. Like, is this generally what we're looking at on Saturday? Is this a one fight card to you?
6: Yeah, this like on paper, just looking at it, this reads more like a Dana White Contender Series fight card. Like there are interesting names. Like I think, maybe, I think Miguel Baez is awesome, and he's had two back to back losses. But his fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio that he lost, I, that was one of my top five fights of last. Last year and then he just got caught. I can't remember who it was, it might have been Chaos Williams or someone. He just got caught at the end, so still an exciting young guy. At one point, you know, he was kind of viewed as one of these top contenders, and then like Dracar Close is on it, Jordan Levitt's always an interesting cat, Kevin Croom. Like, these are all interesting guys. And interesting names, but there's no real marquee fight between two people outside of the top five. Yeah, I know Miguel Baez and Andre Fiala is a great fight, but it's not like that would still kind of be a weak co main event. This is every definition of a one fight card. (laughs) Uh, And compared to Bellator, like that whole main card is interesting.
3: Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, we lost a couple of big fights you, here, right? Like Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz was supposed to be on this. That would have been nice to have. Uh, Zaleski Dos you know, Santos fell off of this. That would have been fun with against Moneda Laziz. So, you know, there was other things on there, but Damon, I mean, when you or, I'm sorry, Jed, let's go to you first. I mean, this welterweight division right now is in a very curious place for the UFC, right? Like you have Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman. That seems to be a foregone conclusion at this point. You have Hamzat Shemaev coming off the last weekend. Colby Covington is what the UFC is pushing for. Who knows if that'll get booked, if Colby will accept it. But that seems to be, assumedly, a number one contender type of shot for Hamzat Shamayev. And then you have these guys, Bilal Muhammad, Vicente Luque. They're kind of the odd man out right now. What do you feel like is actually at stake on Saturday?
7: I think a lot's at stake because I think they are have a really good chance to make this be a, a a one away from a title eliminator. Like, sure, the UFC and Dana White are pushing for Hamzat versus Colby. I would strongly discourage Colby from accepting that fight were I in his corner. I think Colby should make the move to middleweight and try and do that whole thing. I think he should, more importantly, he should try and do everything he can to not fight Hamza Shumayev, who would probably break his bones into little pieces and wear them about his neck like a necklace. So, uh I and I think Colby's not stupid, and probably I, I don't think he wants that fight. I could be all the way wrong. Also, I'm not certain that if he even beat Hamzat, he'd get a title fight. Like I think he could certainly, but I it seems like a lot of balls are in the air there. Whereas if I'm the winner of this Luke a. Muhammad fight, the only thing I do is I get on the mic and I just scream for Hamzat Chmaev. Like okay, Hamzat Chmaev, I want you. Everybody's been ducking you, not me. You and me, title eliminator. Either man wins it. it I mean either man, it's gonna be Luke. Luke's gonna win. Um, but Luke comes out, screams for Chamaev, that puts him into a, a title eliminator. Cause Chamaev versus anybody other than Colby Covington is a guaranteed title eliminator. Chamaya versus Covington is at least a one-way one. And I think Chamayev would take the fight. So I there's a lot at stake here. Um, because I think they could absolutely talk themselves into getting that fight. Cause also we've seen Colby Covington repeatedly shoot himself in the foot over his whole career so it's entirely possible that even if he did want the hamza fight he would out negotiate himself of it and the winner of this fight's right there to get the get the opportunity so i think there's a lot at stake frankly
3: david i mean i wonder do you do you agree like is there any chance a that the winner of this fight on saturday will fight for a title next or b that they could actually end up being that next guy for hamza shemaev that pushes him over the edge
4: I mean, there's always an outside chance the winner gets a title shot only because Leon Edwards has the worst luck of any fighter in the history of the sport over the last couple of years. So there's a chance that, you know, maybe he gets injured and, you know, something weird happens and they, you know, Hamzat can't fight and they throw in, you know, a Luke to, you know, to, you know, to do something like that. So there's a chance. I mean, it's not a big chance, but there's a chance, but I agree with Jed in terms of the magnitude of this fight, because. You know, everyone's talking about Colby and Shamayev. I don't disagree. I don't know that we're going to see that fight. I mean, sure, the UFC wants to make it, but the UFC wanted to make, you know, Colby and, uh, and, and, uh, Woodley, you know, back in the day and that fight fell apart. And then it ended up being Woodley and Usman and all that things happened. So there's no guarantee we're going to see Hamzat and Colby. Colby is done, you know, called out everybody but Hamzat. So the fact that that fight's proposed, great. Happening? Don't know. So, and, and, you know, listen, don't forget, you know, Bilal Muhammad was offered Hamza Chimaev for the headliner at UFC London, accepted it. Fight didn't come together. They ended up switching things up, giving him Gilbert Burns, and he got Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque was also in that conversation. I talked to Vicente. 100% he would have fought Hamzat. Jumped at the chance to fight Hamzat. Still would fight Hamza because he won't fight Gilbert Burns. Vicente will not fight Gilbert Burns under any circumstances. So, I agree. The winner of this fight could potentially get a title shot. Again, that's a very slim chance. But getting Hamzat? I'd say there's actually a pretty strong chance that happens, and that is the quickest path to a title right now is to go through Hamzat. And that's a big fight for either one of these guys.
3: I mean, Jose, man, I, I think a lot of people... Don't realize or ever forget or, or anything like that, like that this is actually a rematch. Like we've seen this mm-hmm. fight before. It was it was just like what, I think mm-hmm. five years ago, six years ago at this point. It was a UFC, it was a bit ago. Yeah, UFC two oh five, if I'm not wrong, you have Facente yeah. Luque out there. He won in 79 seconds. Not a lot you can glean from that. Quick knockout. I mean, there's a lot you can glean. To- Maybe though. I feel like they're both very different fighters, or at least the is to a certain extent at this point. Six years is a long time. Who who do you think has more to lose here? on Saturday, Jose. Ooh, I would say it's
6: a good question. I would say in the eyes of the fans and probably the UFC Bilal would have the most to lose solely because as Damon said, I I wouldn't put him number 2 most exciting, but I'm not going to argue like I think we can all agree Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter on planet Earth maybe ever. Uh Vicente Luque is clearly top 5, so We can all agree we don't care who Vicente Luque fights. We just want to see that man break, break on somebody. Blah Muhammad, how many stoppage wins does he have in like since that loss? To Vicente Luque, what? Does he have one one other loss? I know he lost to Jeff Neal, but other than that, I can't really think of any. I know he had the weird uh, no icon, no contest because he got stabbed in the eye by Leon Edwards, what, well, like 10 seconds since. But other than that, he doesn't have a ton of stoppage wins. He's just kind of beating you up over three rounds like he did you know, to Steven Thompson, the Diego Limas, the Damian Mayas. They're not... There's not a lot of memorable singular moments in those fights. He's not going to fight of the year with Brian Barbarena and then bowing to the crowd. And yeah, one stop is win. So a loss probably hurts him just in the eyes of the UFC because he's winning and it's not overly exciting. And if he loses, he'll probably be on the receiving end of something really violent a la Vicente Luque. So I'm going to say it's Blah Muhammad. But again, he's top, what, top six welterweights in the world. So at worst, he's top 10 which is still not bad obviously he could still rebound from this but in the immediate future Bilal muhammad probably has more to lose solely because of his fighting style
3: i just have to acknowledge the elephant in the room here the chat's going wild for the fresh shaven look this clean baby face look people don't know how to people don't know how to accept this right now i
6: have a i have a beautiful face i'm sorry i didn't want to hide it behind a beard anymore you guys can discuss in the comments. Maybe that can be a between the links topic.
3: <laughs> Jose Younger says Callum Lambert. I love it. Uh, Jed, man, when you look at these two guys in terms of just styles and matchups, right? They're in the same type of spot just in terms of this division. But when you look at the look Luke, Bilal Muhammad, which of them is more likely, do you feel like, to break into that top three that we currently have going? A Kamaru, Colby, Hamzat, and actually like be competitive, like actually be somebody that can make a difference in there
7: luke i think that's obvious right like look God, it doesn't sound knowledge. like you're very really high on fighter. below i'm not gonna lie uh i love him great fighter he is neil Magny 2.0 like, that's he is just gonna be neil magni when neil magni retires like or they're just gonna concurrently be the neil magni guy who's really well skilled competitive tough out for anybody never gonna fight for a title and that's okay most people don't end up fighting for titles and can still make a quality career out of being one of the 10 best people in the world at their profession. That is a thing that we do not celebrate enough in this sport, frankly. Blah Muhammad is one of those. But he is – I don't – I would be very surprised if he ever fought for UFC belt. I think winning against Luque is paramount to him doing that because otherwise i I don't see him – I think a loss here sets him back probably further than Luque just because Luque is so dynamic and so exciting that a couple of wins can get him in the conversation, whereas a loss here really puts Bilal like five wins back because he wins them all by quality decision. So, you know, I I think Luque is the more dynamic, more exciting, more interesting fighter. Uh, I think he's the better fighter. I think he has much better offense, uh, and those are the things that usually – Coincide with somebody making a real run towards the top three, towards a title fight, that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to denigrate Bala Muhammad, but I, to me, it's just, he is not some rising prospect who we don't know the things about. Bala's 33 years old. Like we know the cake is baked. We know what kind of a fighter he is, and that fighter is damn good, but it's pretty clearly limited. And, you know, I, I think this is probably around where he's capped as far as his upward mobility is.
3: I mean, David, I want to follow up with what Jed just said. I mean, I mean, when you look at Vicente Luque, I've seen some chatter about this all week just on social media and as people converse about these fights. Is is Vicente Luque like a low-key, very sneaky, good matchup, do you think, for some of these top guys in this division? a uh, Shamaev? Like, he doesn't really get thrown into that conversation a lot because he is just so quiet outside of the ring. But do you feel like the way he kind of like matches up with these guys actually would actually be better than some of the other matchups that we're throwing around within these top three?
4: I mean, Luque is going to be fun no matter who he fights. I mean, that's kind of his style. He goes out there and has exciting fights with everybody. And, you know, I mean, can you imagine Vicente Luque and Hamza Chamaya for as long as that fight would last? I mean, it would just be like two tornadoes colliding in, in the octagon. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? You know, and I'm not saying that Vicente's going to go out there and starch you know, Kamar Usman. I don't think anyone's going to start Kamar Usman, but I mean, come on. Like Vicente Luque is just an exciting guy. He he, you know, he goes in there and has a war with Mike Perry. He goes in there and has a war with Nico Price. He goes in there and has a war with with Michael Chiesa. And I like Michael Chiesa very much, but Michael Chiesa, very much in a lot of ways, kind of like Bilal Muhammad. He's not a guy who typically goes out there and you know puts on these blistering performances and gets these big finishes. The whatever four minutes that fight lasted was awesome because Vicente Luque makes every fight awesome. So, uh, the seal, I don't, I don't know what the ceiling is on Vicente because he is so freaking dangerous. I mean, you make one wrong move. He will knock you out. He will snatch you in a Darce choke. He will put you away. So to say that there's a ceiling on him right now is tough because, you know, we just haven't seen him in a lot of those opportunities. Yes, he does have the loss to, you know, Wonder Boy, he does have the loss to Leon Edwards earlier in his career. But again, uh, anytime he's in there, it's going to be exciting. And and you can't say with 100% certainty that if, you know, Usman ducked his head the wrong way or Hamzat, you know, goes for a takedown and doesn't get it or they're just out there swinging, trading punches, that he can't beat anybody in that top five. I just refuse to believe that. Jose what
3: do you I mean when you look at this now let's make some picks cuz that's what we do here on this show who who do you like in this cuz i mean this is a fun matchup i think i think we've sort of laid out the case of why it matters in this division who do you like
6: the main event, uh, Vicente Luque. I think how many who's he lost to? Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is about to fight for the UFC welterweight title. We're gonna, I'm glad we all finally stopped pretending that Hamza Shammai was gonna skip the queue. I was getting real agitated over that conversation. Uh, and then Steven Thompson, when he lost to him at Madison Square Garden, that was like peak Steven Thompson, or like right at the end of peak Steven Thompson, before like, you know, Bilal Muhammad and everyone has kind of, kind of been. Piecing him up lately, so he's only losing to the best of the best. I think Bala Muhammad, as Jed said, is really damn good, but he's just Neil Magni. I think Vicente Luque beats Neil Magni right now, too. So I just think Vicente Luque has more tools, he's more violent, he's more exciting. I'm not gonna say his cardio is better because Bala Muhammad has said that he can just go for rounds and rounds and rounds, and I haven't seen that, so I'm not gonna comment on it. So I'm just gonna, I just think Vicente Luque is just is better. Cross the board and more violent, and Bala Muhammad is fantastic. He's just not on Vicente Luque's level right now. Fantastic analyst, though. I really, really like him on the ESPN desk. I think he's one of the more underrated color, not color commentators, but like analysts when they kick it to him. So uh, great guy, great fighter, great analyst. I just think Vicente Luque is better right now in the year of our Lord 2022.
3: Totally agree with you on the on the analyst thing. Like he, I don't feel like he gets mentioned enough uh, in regards to when we talk about the the really great UFC analyst. But he's actually like surprisingly good at, it and he hasn't really done that many had that many reps at it yet. So he seems like he could have a future there. Jed, I mean, your pick is the only way Bilal gets this done. Is this wrestling? Is that kind of what we're looking at?
7: Yeah, he's got to have to do it for twenty five if he wants it. And um, th- there's an avenue. I-, I just don't think it's consistent. I mean, it just is what it is. Like. Like to, to Damon's earlier point, like I don't think Vicente Luque would go out there and, and clobber Kamar Usman, but it's possible. Like it wouldn't shock me if they fought and he managed to be the guy who did the violent thing and won. I think Bilal Muhammad could fight Kamar Usman a hundred times and he would lose a hundred times. Like that's just how that's just how this fight and how how their styles work. Muhammad has to fight one way and he has to be really perfect for most of it and at any point in time luke can just do a hyper violent thing and and blow his blow his face off like it's just all he can do so uh i think he could win either a decision or he could just knock him out in the first round again or he could submit him all of the world exists for Vicente luke here whereas mohammed has to get takedowns and he has to sit on luke for 25 minutes so give me luke by probably early ko
3: Damon, you making it three for three?
4: Yeah, I like Luque to win. I mean, I just have a hard time picking against him. He has the win already, and it's just, again, you're it's, it's a matter of time with Luque. You're playing with dynamite for, you know, I know this is five rounds, but it's just playing with dynamite where he's eventually going to catch a... And, uh, you know, he has, he has so many great finishes. It's just hard to bet against him. I, I, I agree with everything Jed said about Bilal. I think Bilal is an incredible fighter. Also, to the analyst point, let me give him a shout out, a frequent co host on Fighter versus Rider as well. Uh, he's broken down some fights with me on the show and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal at that job. And you know what? And the thing is, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think Bilal is really good. And I think there are guys that, that he, you know, got, I I mean, I know the fight ended in a weird way, but I don't know that I'd pick against him in a rematch against Leon Edwards. And and I mean that sincerely. Like I don't know that he wouldn't beat Leon Edwards. Uh, Okay. And also to that point, I like Leon Edwards. Let me make this clear. I like Leon Edwards. Either Vicente Luque or Bilal Muhammad after Saturday night will have a more convincing win on their record than Leon Edwards has right now because Leon Edwards has not fought anyone and beat anyone in the current top 10 in the welterweight division. None. Nobody. Zero. So... It kind of breaks my heart that Bilal never got that fight back because I think Bilal could beat him. I really do. But it's just Vicente, I think, is just on another level right now. Will Vicente beat Colby? Will he beat, you know, Homsud? I don't know, but he has a chance. So, yeah, I like Vicente to get it done here and, uh, you know, in typical Vicente violent fashion. So I mean, clear. I hate No, go so for it. Clear. One,
7: one, I want to apologize because. I think Damon has been having to fight with me too much, and he has absorbed my hate for Leon Edwards because I don't like Leon Edwards. <laughs> I've been really honest about it. Uh, but I will give the man his due. He he has beaten a man in the current top of the welterweight rankings. He He's ve- beaten Vicente Luque. <laughs> so, That's what I was going to say. Yes. He does have that win, and you can't take it away That's from That's true.
4: Him. I he would did also, have that. I've forgotten.
7: Yeah, I would pick him to beat Bilal in a rematch because I thought that that first fight looked – very clear how the trajectory was going but that's a whole different thing but i'm glad that other people are getting on the leon edwards let's bag on him because it's a great train (laughs) a lot of opportunity for success (laughs) in the future with that train
3: oh man y'all gonna be so sad when leon pulls the upset at the century off on kamaru usman i I will be stunned (laughs) i won't you're gonna have a lot of crow to eat you're gonna have a lot of crow to eat i'll i'll do it i'll eat it i will eat my hat you say that a lot. I haven't seen a lot of hat eaten, but I feel like you've had a couple of ways you should have eaten your hat. I right don't now already. I'm gonna let me
6: let me add something to this. I don't think I've ever seen Jed wear a hat. Period. So Do you even own hats? Yeah, I I, I so mostly wear
7: hats outside of us doing filming stuff. You guys want me to start wearing known, hats? I will wear hats. Known
6: known known liar. Jed Misshew makes up. He owns hats more at twelve. Next question. I am a known liar. That's also true. Uh,
3: Well, I I hate to make it unanimous across the board because we have four people here and four for four is a little boring. But I mean, Jose, you know, I've been on the Vicente Luque train for years at this point. I can't hop off now. The boy's finally cresting. Like, people are finally paying attention. Like, this is his moment. This is the the one window he's going to get seemingly where he has a chance to slip into this title picture. Uh, I think he's going to get it done just in the way you guys said.
0: So let us move on.
2: And
3: let's jump over now to Bellator because as we said at the top, best card of the week. Probably has the best fights of the week, too, unless you're Damon uh, and you disagree with that. But just in general, let's talk about AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull Pitbull too. Because when we saw this fight last summer and we saw AJ look what looked to be a star-making performance against Pitbull, it felt like this was the biggest layup for Bellator in the in a long, long time, right? Like here's this guy, homegrown star. You've literally built him from the ground up. He matures into just this beast of a champion who knocks off the most decorated fighter in your promotions history. does it easy. like it was nothing. In the perfect world, you give that man everything he wants, right? You give him the daytime talk show circuit, you put him in front of every microphone that'll have him. you book the rematch with Pitbull at lightweight for the for the lightweight title, try to make this guy a two division champion. And finally you have someone who the fans are kind of actually in- invested in in a way that maybe they haven't been since like the Alvarez Chandler days for Bellator. instead, We get AJ McKee sitting around for basically like a year. We didn't hear from him pretty much at all this entire time. All that momentum feels like it's completely gone. Patricio doesn't even have the lightweight belt anymore. And somehow we ended up running this same fight back at 145 a year later. So Jose, I throw it to you. I mean, what do you think about the way Bellator has handled this saga of AJ McKee since last July? And are you satisfied with where we've ended up now with this fight?
6: Nope. It's horrible. They've done a terrible job of promoting AJ McKee as a whole. The only thing they did well was they stuck him on the broadcast for one of the Jake Paul fights, which we all agreed was the move to make, especially because it was show, you know, Showtime uh, working hand in hand with all that. AJ McKee, what I, I I remember doing the post show after this. And at the time, Alex Savas, our coworker, someone asked, asked her, because, you know, she, she works in a lot of the non MMA world. She has a lot of fans that aren't in the MMA world. They had still had zero idea who AJ McKee was after his quote unquote star making performance. And I've used this analogy a few times. Sean, I don't think you've ever been on a show where I've brought this up. Uh, Patty Pimblett uh, had a million Instagram followers. He was 0 and 0, maybe 1 and 0 in the UFC, got his Instagram taken away. Now he's back, I think, at 800,000 Instagram followers, and he has a million dollar deal, and he got his teammate a million dollar deal. AJ McKee has a little over 100,000 instagram subscribers and the same week that patty pimblett signed a seven-figure deal with barstool adrian mckee had a hot dog named after him like what are we doing what are we doing guys like come on bro adrian mckee could be the best featherweight on planet earth and it doesn't help like and everyone's saying like oh why is he talking about the ufc why is he saying it's inevitable why is he talking about alex falconoski well give him a reason to want to stick around like they're not giving. He he said it best. He just won a million dollars. Well, what you want him to take a seventy-five percent pay cut for a rematch? Come on, dog. Give him everything he wants and give him a reason to actually promote your product by giving him all. We, like it's Tom. It's tomfoolery. That's what it is. I'm not. It's it's. It's unfortunate, and no, I'm glad, I'm I'm happy the fight is happening. I would have liked it a lightweight for a second belt, like you said, but again, Bellator doesn't want to give us what we want, so now it's running running it back and featherweight, which is just the second best fight I wanted to see AJ McKee <laughs> have, and honestly, I want to see AJ McKee fight Aaron Pico still, and that's not even going to happen. Like, there's a bunch of fights I want to see AJ McKee have that aren't going to happen, and it just sucks. Uh, I don't care what promotion he's in. I'm not into one. Of, I'm not one of these guys that's like oh UFC versus Bellator. I just want to see that man fight fun fights uh, and get paid very, very high, highly to do it. So no. In in short, no. I am not happy with Bellator's nonsense and lack of promotion.
3: Sheesh, go off, Jose. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, Jed, man, we have AJ out here now. I mean, he, Jose alluded to a little bit. Like he, AJ in the lead up to this promotion, essentially, he's out here on the MMA hour. Just kind of openly flirting with the UFC, saying like UFC belt's inevitable. I need need like a million dollars per fight, and that's going to double every time you don't give it to me. All of this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel like Bellator has handled this last year with AJ? And do you feel like just a little bit, just maybe like a little bit, conspiracy Sean out here, just a tiny bit, that they are not promoting this fight to the degree that they should because they are sort of worried about where this is going with AJ?
7: So before I get into that, uh, I don't want to say anything because you remember in old school when Will Ferrell makes that impassioned speech and the Raging Cajun is like, we have no response. It was perfect. That's me to Jose. He was, he was perfect. <laughs> Everything was absolutely spot on. And we really could just end here. But if you're going to make me join you with the conspiracy hat, I will. I will join you readily because that's absolutely a thing that they're doing. I would say almost 100%. Maybe not in that specific terminology, but I think my interpretation of all of this is one, I fundamentally believe Bellator stopped caring about their own product. Um, maybe I'm wrong and prove it to me by promoting it worth a damn. But until you do, I'm just going to continue to say you guys just don't care. Uh, and that's okay. A lot of people don't care about their jobs and they just do them because, you know, paycheck's paycheck. I'm not here to knock you. Get paid, kinks uh, and Queens. But for me, they looked at the biggest fight of history in history in their promotional history. That was what they sold this as. And I don't know what they did from a number standpoint, but I remember the numbers from our end, not being all that spectacular. And Jose alluded to it with Alex Savis and, uh, kind of the outside perspective. I think they looked at this thing that they thought was going to be a thing and they realized, Oh, Adrian McKee's actually not a star. Like, he has the makings of it, but he's not Conor McGregor, Patty Pimblett. He's not that. And so, all right, we're just going to roll with it. And so I think they are not investing in him because I think that they have already made the mental calculus that they cannot keep him. They currently have him under contract because that's how championship clauses work. But the my reading of his experience on the MMA hour is that dude is gone. The moment it is possible for him to leave, he is leaving Say what you will about the million dollars. I don't think, I think that's like me saying, you guys pay me $10 million and I'll do this. Like, I could say a billion. It doesn't matter if they're not going to do it. And he's just gone and they know it. And so they're not going to get too juiced up in in promoting him because they know he's gone. They know that even if they tried to promote him, it's probably not going to yield tremendous results for him. And so they're just kind of spinning their wheels because, look, I caught a lot of trash for this earlier this year when I wrote about it, AJ McKee is less of a star than Kayla Harrison. And they would not make an offer that Kayla Harrison could not refuse or that PFL couldn't match. So if they aren't going to unload the Brink truck for her, they aren't doing it for him either. So he's gone, he's on a timeline. And so I think your conspiracy is correct. They, they're just not going to invest in a, in a product that is going to leave them in the near
3: future. Damon, Damon, I'm interested to hear your thoughts here because you were on the AJ McKee train very early. Like I have been calling him the best non-UFC fighter in the world this week, but if you look at our MMA fighting global rankings, like you were on AJ McKee way before I think a lot of us, and and really they're the only rankings in MMA that matter if we're being honest. Uh, he he on those rankings. rankings. <laughs> <laughs> he on those rankings right now is the top male pound for pound fighter outside of the UFC, so there is something to there. So I wonder. Damon, you've spoken with AJ ahead of this fight. You've spoken with him a couple times. Where do you feel like his head is at? Like what, what do you, what sense do you get from him in, in just where is all this headed?
4: Well, let me tell you, it's weird because when I spoke to AJ, it was about it was right after the fight got announced. So it was about six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago. And at that time, he sounded pretty solid about like he was it sounded pretty confirmed that he was gonna go back to Bellator. He seemed pretty resigned in that fact. Although he, even back then he said, you know, I feel like one day I'm going to be a UFC champion. Okay, that's great. Six weeks later, when he talks to Ariel on the MMA Hour, he's more or less basically out the door. You know, he's saying, you know, I want a million dollars per fight. So somewhere in the negotiation, <laughs> something went bad or something went sour to where to the point where he went from. He was saying, bring guys to me, bring guys to Showtime. I want to fight them over here. I want to you know, go and do pay-per-view, blah, blah, blah to pay me a million dollars or I'm leaving for the UFC. So something had to happen in negotiation where either he made a demand and Bellator turned him down or something happened. Something had to have happened to change that relationship in that six-week period. My guess is in the middle of negotiations, he went too high, they went too low, there was no middle ground, and now here's where we're at. Um, I think AJ could be the best featherweight in the world. I'm that high on this kid. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's got all the tools. Bellator has royally screwed up promoting him. There's no doubt about that. Again, let me echo what Jed said. Everything that Jose said was 110% correct. I couldn't say it any better, so I'm not going to try. That being said, um, AJ is an incredibly talented kid. The only thing the only thing that worries me here about this whole scenario is AJ is setting himself up for either a big moment to go to the UFC and prove himself, which, by the way, I love you, AJ. Think you're a star in the making. Think you might be the best way in the world, but you might want to lower your expectations when you sit down to negotiate with Hunter Campbell in the UFC. Because if they <laughs> offer you 100k and 100k, you'll be lucky. That being said, facts. AJ facts. is one one bad move away from his stock dropping to I won't say zero, not zero, but stock dropping dramatically. Because if he goes out and gets starched by pit bull, now I don't think he will. I think he's going to win. I know we're going to get to picks, but. I think you know AJ wins, but Pitbull's capable of doing that. Pitbull is capable. He did it to Michael Chandler. He's done it to a lot of people. He goes out there and gets starched. He becomes a free agent, you know, right away because the championship clause is gone. But he also has zero leverage at that point. And the hundred K, hundred k offer I just kind of joked about probably drops like, here's your Patty Pimblett contract. We're gonna make it 24 24. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so AJ's got a lot of pressure because he's already basically saying, I'm gonna go to the UFC. But if he loses, where's his power to actually demand anything at that point? I mean, will the UFC pick him up? Sure, they probably will. But, you know, he's now at this point, you know, he's going to be lucky to draw. Yeah, they're going to say, hey, Dan Hooker, we got to fight for you. His name's AJ McKee. He's coming over from Bellator. They're not going to throw him into a title fight at that point, much less a number one contenders fight. So a lot of pressure on AJ this weekend.
3: Tremendous points. Tremendous points there, Damon. You are 100% right. And I think that's something that's. Kind of go flying under the radar a little bit going into this weekend. Jose, I mean, make the pick, man. I mean, AJ McKee, more than a three to one favorite on over Patricio on some sports books. We've already seen him run through this guy once. He's he's ice cold. He says he's gonna let Pitbull get to the second round this time. I, I love that line. Uh are people sleeping here on Patricio? Like wh- where are you how do yeah. you see this playing out?
6: I, it's one of those – the first fight was so quick and AJ was so dominant. Like let's not forget, the, the man essentially knocked out and submitted Pachusu Pitbull in the same round. So he basically is already 2-0 and oh against the greatest Bellator fighter of all time. At the same time though, Pachusu Pitbull is still a top 10 featherweight in the world. He is an undersized featherweight. I haven't seen for years. He could have been the first triple uh, champion with uh, – if he dropped down a bantamweight I think. But – I think he is being severely overlooked. I think he is absolutely a spectacular fighter. I think he would give a lot of fighters in the UFC, PFL, one, any, any promotion problems. I just think AJ McKee is the second, maybe third best featherweight. I'm going to put in third best featherweight in the world behind Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Uh, I want to see those three fight at some point. Whether I don't care what promotion they're in. I just want to see them fight. I think AJ McKee is in his physical prime. He's never really had any severe. He's had one severe injury that he's actually got to completely recover from. I think the pandemic, he was the only one that the pandemic benefited because remember, didn't he hurt his knee? And then his fight got canceled. They got like a year and a half of like, Rehab to to recover before his fight against Pitbull, or who was it? Who did he beat when he came back? I can't even remember. That's how long ago that fight was. So, but yeah, AJ McKee is the man. I think he's the third best featherweight in the world, and I just think he has more tools to win. And I think he's going to go three and three and zero against Patricio Pitbull.
3: Jed, I mean, what do you think here? Are you in agreement with Jose? Right now it seems like this the narrative that that's sort of developing here is AJ McKee, future two division champion. He's kind of trying to end the the Pitbull legacy, is more or less what he said this week. Go back up to 155 and get that second belt from the Pitbull brothers. Uh the other Pitbull brother, I should say. Who are you picking this weekend? Do you feel like that's sort of the road here that AJ's looking at?
7: I think that's the road I am I am picking AJ. I think I think the odds are Close to right, maybe could even go up a little bit more because it's three to one. I, if they fought four times, I would pick AJ to probably win all four of them. Um, so, you know, there's that. There's one thing, there's one minor caveat that probably won't happen, but I just want to put it out there because it would be the best thing that's happened in MMA all year. Ooh, because I believe, okay. I believe that I'm correct in saying that AJ McKee is currently has fought out his existing contract and is currently beholden only to the champion's cause in Bellator. If I'm wrong, please correct me, but I believe that's right. And if so, a loss here would immediately let him free of this to pursue other endeavors. I'm listening. So you can lose in a lot of ways in MMA. You can go get knocked out and lose, or you can walk into the cage. And as soon as the fight starts, bend over and tap three times on the mat and that is a concession and a loss which would by definition rid, remove the belt from him and free him up to pursue potentially more lucrative ventures elsewhere probably won't happen but i've said for a long time nate should do that in the ufc so he can go box jake paul or just whoever they say fight i will fight in i'll fight francis and gone sweet one two three i am gone it would be the most gangster thing in the world it would be funny as all hell, and I hope, 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 hope that that's what happens tomorrow night. It would be my favorite thing.
3: Hey, Jamie McKee's got that O on his record, man. That O means too much to him. He's not going to do something like that. Also, I feel like that fits John much George more with the Diaz brand.
7: record. Does anyone care about that? No. And oh, yeah.
3: Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. People, if John Jones was undefeated, the way that he was would have been able to be marketed would have been so vastly different. Like, you know that's true. It's silly. And if, But if Alexander Volkanovsky was 25-0 and 0 right now rather than fought some random dude at welterweight a long time ago, like, this is all very different.
7: I think the Volkanovsky one is true, but the Volkanovsky was like a real loss even though it's a welterweight. If AJ's loss, loss is him tapping out to avoid a contract dispute for from some draconian laws about how contracts work for champions i think it's totally fine and it would be the most gangster thing frankly i think that would actually do worlds to get him over more and more well known because if he does that that's for sure the only thing we're talking about next week
3: well i am nothing if not an agent of chaos so i'm here for any and all chaos damon make the pick what do you think of this crazy conspiracy Jed's thrown out just Let's throw it to you.
4: I'll say this. I, I, you know, it's funny, and I've never said it vocally, but I'll say it now. Jed, I've actually had that theory for a long time. Like, why not just walk in, tap the canvas, walk away? You're done. And Nate Diaz, I agree. That's probably what Nate Diaz should do. He probably should just say, Yeah, give me Hamsat. Walk in, tap the canvas, leave. Sure, do it. Uh, The only reason I don't think AJ. The only reason I don't think AJ will do it, though, is because I do know that undefeated record means a lot to him. You know, he said it numerous times to me. He said it to a lot of people. He wants to retire undefeated. I know, you know, the chances of that happening are pretty slim. We have a a very long list of fighters who all say they want to retire undefeated, and they never do. Ronda Rousey wanted to do it. There's a lot of people who say they want to do it, and they don't do it, but... So I think that does mean something to him, and I don't think he would ever want to lay down for Pitbull. Like, I know that's not the way maybe it would be portrayed, but I just don't think he would ever do that. So I don't think he will. That being said, I think he wins. Um, I don't know if it'll be as quickly as last time, but I think it will be convincing, whether it's a submission or another knockout. I think he does win. I think he's just got a lot of size, a lot of reach, a lot of power. Uh, I like Pitbull, and I agree with Jose too. Pitbull could be a guy who'd maybe even be better suited for bantamweight. Um, but I think he wins this fight, and then I think he goes up. He beats his brother, and again, I don't know how much this is going to continue to extend his contract, but the Pitbull family is going to really, really, really not like the name AJ McKee coming soon uh, because I feel like he is going to be a two-division champion probably. Well, based on Bellator timing, he'll be the Bellator two-division champion by like 2025 by the way they schedule him, but in theory, he could be the two-division champion before the end of the year.
7: If he's still fighting in Bellator in 2025, we should all riot. That'll just be awful.
4: <laughs> I'm just really. saying, based on Bellator's scheduling, they'll probably wait like I another know. year and a it, half to give him his next fight. It's
7: possible. So. It's possible, and we should all be furious by it.
3: I I, I I'm making unanimous once again. I mean, I think AJ McKee is just one of the top three featherweights in the world. Like I think you could have Volkanovsky Holloway and him in some order with Volk as, as the number one, but the other two are interchangeable almost at this point. Like I, I I would be fascinated to see how he'd stack up against those guys. And it's, it's unfortunate that we can't see that yet, but it does feel like it's kind of going to come soon, whether it's at 45 or 55. So we'll see, but I do think this is going to be another AJ McKee weekend. Let's move on. And let's hit now this co-main event because Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov. Jose, you you led off the top with this. You mentioned it light heavyweight tournament finals, one million on the line, but also kind of low key stakes for someone having a, a potential claim to being the number one light heavyweight in the world. With the way all this mm-hmm. has played out, like Corey Anderson's already, frankly, like beaten Glover share pretty handily on the short notice mm-hmm. not too long ago. So that's out there. Throw it you straight. I mean, are you buying what Bellator's selling here? Did you like? Do you like where we ended up with this whole light heavyweight tournament?
5: Yeah, I
6: think Corey Anderson created a lot of buzz when he hopped over from the UFC uh, to Bellator. He was coming off that KO loss to Jan Blachowicz. And I think we can all agree that he probably deserved the title fight before that, after he beat Johnny Walker, Madison Square Garden. And then they, I think he kind of ruffled the the UFC's feathers a lot, so they didn't give it to him. They gave him Jan. He got knocked out. Um, And then he made a lot of – he's created a lot of – storylines and narrative when he jumped over from the UFC to Bellator because he was still one of those top five light heavyweights in the world. And if he had one, maybe one or two more, he's probably fighting for the light heavyweight championship over there. But he made a lot of noise, and then he, ent- he, he beats Melvin Manhoof, who Melvin Manhoof is like a legitimate, <laughs> terrifying human being in or outside of the cage. And then he, he, he knocks out the guy that I can't pronounce. I'm really I'm very sorry. he got a lot of letters that don't really ever <laughs> appear next to each other in an American dictionary. He was kind of like, I think Corey Anderson did a good job selling that fight because no one would know who he was who he was and he had a really impressive record. So he's like, I'm taking this fight. I have a high chance of losing. And no one has heard of this guy. Still took the fight and then he beats Ryan Bader in less than a minute in phoenix brian Bader's hometown so uh, and then as i said vadim nemkov is basically the heir parent to uh, fedor Mal- fedor malineko just a horrifying human being with dynamite in his hands uh it says maybe two three words total in an interview and we all just eat it up so i don't have a problem with how this ended especially because Corey and vadim are just so polar opposite in their personalities and their fighting styles i'm very much looking forward to this fight that being said I think this is the hardest fight to pick of the three we're probably picking between the UFC main event, the Be- the Bellator main event and now the Bellator co-main event. This is really tough. I think this is like 51-49 and whenever that's the case I saw I was the champion so I am I'm, I'm going to pick Vadim Nemkov who uh after that could have a, a legitimate argument is the best 205er in the world.
3: It's interesting. I mean, Jose, you're not wrong. Like, we, you and I were both in Phoenix for that fight against mm-hmm. Ryan Bader between Corey Anderson, knocked him out. Like, that's not even an outcome I think a lot of us expect is Corey Anderson just steamrolling him in less than a minute mm-hmm. or whatever it was. It really quieted that crowd and they were very unhappy about it. Um, I mean, Jed, man, when you when you look at Corey Anderson, he's been very unstoppable looking in Bellator, right? Like, he's finishing everyone. He's cutting promos left and right. Are you a believer? in this, whatever 2.0 version we're getting from this guy? Or do you feel like this is the same Corey Anderson, with just a few new lines in different competition?
7: I don't know if I'm a believer. Uh, I I haven't ranked as the number three heavyweight in the world. Um, So to some extent, I guess I am. Uh, We've, I think me and Damon have gotten into it about Corey Anderson and me thinking that he's not that good. Um, But the world is. Sometimes not being all that good still means you're better than everybody else in a division that is rancid. And that's kind of where we're at. Like, I think it's very possible Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the world. Uh, It's really a shame that that's the case, but so it is. But the reality is if, if either of these men win this fight convincingly, I'm probably putting them as the top light heavyweight in the world. Uh, like I said, for me, it's number two versus number three. I do have Yuri Prohaska as the number one light heavyweight in the world uh, right now. But, you know, uh, a convincing win either way will do do a lot for me as, as far as how it goes. If it's a nip-tuck battle, probably leave things the same. Uh, but, you know, I... Corey has a clear win over the current UFC light heavyweight champion, which I don't think you can discount, even though it's four years ago. I I would certainly favor him in a rematch there. Uh, And so I I don't know. I don't know if that makes me a believer or not, as I guess. Like, I still think he's not all that good. I just think this division is terrible, and he's better than most, if not all of it, because it's really bad. And he is certainly improving. I do think his improvements are real. I don't know – I don't think I would take this Corey Anderson versus like prime or near prime Daniel Cormier like that. That that's kind of where I'm at. I, I oh, that's like an atrocious
3: matchup. That's an atrocious yeah, I, matchup for Corey.
7: And that's sort of it. Like I just feel that 205 is in a bit of a lull. I do think Corey Anderson is getting better, and he's probably better than I rag on him. But it's funnier for me to make fun of him. Uh, so he's better than I give him credit for. But I think that. He is close to where he was previously. The division is just bottomed out. And so, you know, cream rises in that situation. So I guess I'm a believer in context, but I'm still not like a fundamental believer that Corey Anderson is going to forge new destiny for light heavyweights and be the standard by which all of them should aspire to be.
3: Well, you had Jose picking nemkov you, Who you, who you siding with?
7: I'm going to take Nimkov. Uh, I actually totally agree with him uh, in everything. I think it's a really close fight. I would be interested to see how if Nimkov can get any grappling going against Anderson, who's obviously a very good wrestler, how that plays will be a lot. I do think on the feet, Nimkov is maybe a little trickier, can kick a little more. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how it works out, frankly. I'm going to side with Nimkov, but I would not be at all surprised if Corey Anderson beats him.
3: Damon, let's go to you, man. I mean, Jed laid it out perfectly. This light heavyweight division right now is is a little bonkers. If we're being honest, like it, it just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense uh, at this point. Like the Glover being champion has really thrown a wrench into all of this. For for I think in terms of rankings and matchmaking and a lot of this, who do you who do you side with on this? Who you pick and, and is there a chance for you that whoever wins this is going to be your number one light heavyweight in the world?
4: Uh, yeah, I listen. I'm siding with Corey Anderson. Uh, Jed's right. I have been the defender of Corey Anderson for quite a while now, and I continue to be so, and I will continue to be so. I. I think he did get a bit of a raw deal in the UFC. Of course, he lost to Jan Blahovich. No shame in that. Yan's a you know, Jan's the top guy and, and a former champion in his own right. So no shame in losing that. And we can't forget, granted, it was years ago, but he, you know, he did, you know, maul Jan in their first fight. Granted, again, it was like, you know, six years ago, but he did. Um, I think Corey got a lot of weight off his shoulders going to Bellator, getting away from kind of the toxicity of what he had in the UFC you know, getting away from always constantly wanting to prove himself to Dana White and get the attention. And he just, he just never was a very highly respected fighter. And, you know, part of that's based on his own performances. He had some ugly losses in there and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's looked great lately. I, I, I do like Vadim, Vadim Nimkov a lot. I think he's an incredible fighter, but he's had some moments where I'm kind of like, oh man, that's why it's been hard for me to to continue to ride with Nimkov because there are those moments, you know, like Phil Davis a couple times and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I picked this guy to be the best guy in the world. At moments, he has flashes of it, but there's a pretty consistent line on Corey Anderson. You know, he's, he, and I think, and one thing the Jed said I do agree with is I think Corey's getting better. I think he's actually stronger now. He's got more knockout power. He's got he's established a pretty strong jab. We know his wrestling's there. His ground and pound is really solid. Um, and I just think he's got confidence right now. I think that's a big difference. I think he's got confidence. Uh, so I like Corey Anderson to win this fight. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I don't know if he's going to go out there and knock out Vadim Nimkov. I could see him getting a late finish because Vadim has kind of been a guy who's had some, you know, I mean, he's gone five rounds, but I think Corey could push the pace on him and finish him late. Corey's got incredible cardio. He really does push a pace. You know, he just wore out Glover Teixeira in their fight. Granted, that was three rounds, but he, he just wore him out in that fight. And I think he could do the same thing to Nimkov here, maybe get a fourth round finish. And if he wins this fight for at least the next six weeks, I think Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the sport. And I say six weeks because if Yuri Prohoshka goes goes out and does what Yuri Prohoshka does and he finishes Glover Teixeira, he's probably going to be number one again. But if Glover wins, and I think Glover can win that fight, hard to argue that, you know, Corey did truck him pretty hard when they fought. So for six weeks, Corey Anderson could be the best light heavyweight in the sport.
3: I think I'm right there with you. Honestly, like I, I everything Jed you said earlier about Corey Anderson 2.0, whether this is real or not, and and sort of the weirdness of this division, all of that rings true for me. But I kind of I, I do believe, I do believe somewhat. I mean, this when you hear him speak, it feels like a man who. Just feels a lot lighter in his life, right? Like he just feels like he doesn't have some sort of weird weight looming over him. He obviously had a very contentious relationship with the UFC or or just the way that he sort of viewed the UFC and how they, what they were pushing him to do of, you know, you can't be this wrestler. And he, you know, him just talking about feeling like he wouldn't be able to progress in this division unless he became more exciting and it really messed with his head and all of this. I'm, I'm a believer now with where Corey Anderson is in his life, his confidence, all of that. I think he can go out there and actually put on a really impressive performance, and there will be a... He he is Bellator's best chance. Let's say that. He is Bellator's best chance to have an actual claim to having the number one guy in a respective division in this sport. And who knows how long that'll last, because I agree with you, Damon. I have Yuri Baraska number one right now at light heavyweight with the weird way this division is. If he goes out there and beats Clever Teixeira convincingly, I think I would keep him there, absolutely. But Corey Anderson has a chance, man, and I, I'll side with you on that. That is my pick as well.
4: Uh, Casey. Attention. Jump on, jump on that bandwagon. Jump on let's that it, bandwagon. Baby. There's room. There's room. Let's do it, baby. All right. We have now hit the top
3: three fights of the weekend. Casey, my man, let's get you in here. Let's hear from the peeps. Let's see what pe- what's on people's mind. And by the way, all, accepting any and all questions about the best day in <laughs> NBA team in the whole world before we start this revenge tour 2022, baby. Let's go. For
7: Boston Celtics?
3: I, I would gladly take the Celtics, baby. We beat them in five or six.
5: We taking we talking sports ball? All right. Sorry, All right. Mr. Thirty
7: Twenty Four. Some of us watch other sports.
5: All right, Here we go, here we go. Uh what we got here? Um Okay, we already talked about that. Here we go.
3: All right, this one's coming from Matt Maggio, who says, what are the chances the winner of Luke versus Muhammad fights oh, Shamayev knowing Colby Covington is historically hard to book? We actually already addressed this a little bit, but uh, anybody else want to jump in here? I think I think there's a 50-50 yeah. shot, if we're being honest.
6: And I think it's going to be uh, – I, I think Colby Covington is going to fight Kamara uh, – Colby Covington is going to fight Hamza Shamayev on ABC in July, probably in Texas.
5: That's I just my that's assumption. That's he certainly what they want. Do you, do you think those two gentlemen will take a fight in a main event without any pay-per-view points? Or yep. would, be, would it be uh, Shamiyev and Colby? I Colby think already Colby already did, did it.
7: Colby well, already did it. it. Yeah, Colby will do it, but only after he makes a fool out of himself because that's his preferred method. He likes to corner Dana White at a blackjack table and then Dana punk him and then he'll do the thing that the UFC wants to do.
3: Yeah, like Colby already did so we went down this road with the Masvidal fight. He didn't get pay-per-view points. They're not going to give it to him now after he's already accepted it once.
5: Did he just admit to that? Is that did, did Masvidal? He he Colby, Colby, Colby said
6: Covington it. said three times in three different press conferences on MMA Fighting's YouTube page that he's not getting press uh, pay-per-view points for against Masvidal.
5: And Masvidal did? Yeah.
6: Yeah, Masvidal Dennis, yeah.
3: Yeah.
5: Weird. <laughs>
3: Amen. Leverage. It's all about leverage in this game. Uh, We're using weird and Colby comments in this sentence.
4: Uh, And Colby apparently doesn't have a whole lot, so yeah. (laughs) Uh,
3: This one's coming from Suave Rico Suave. He says, with AJ McKee saying he's, quote, just not that impressed with Volkanovsky and stating if they were to fight, it's a bad matchup for Volk. If they could fight now, surely it's a bad matchup for AJ. And that's his question. What do you guys think?
6: I don't care. It's not going to happen. Like, if it's, if the fight's not going to happen, I don't give it any mental it, – it doesn't take up space in my brain. Like, that fight is not going to happen until one of them signs the other one. And then And then I'll be like, oh, I – also, he's wrong. Like, Volkanovsky is the best featherweight in the world. He's really effing talents that might be the best fighter in the world. So, AJ just might be second. But, again, it's not going to happen anytime soon.
7: I just I, don't think it- I just hate when people say this, like, because – like, I wasn't impressed. Well, that's dumb. Like you're just, that's just dumb.
3: Like, especially on something that was so obviously impressive, right? Yeah. It was obviously
7: like you you don't, you can just be honest. Like it's a lot cooler if you're just like, yeah, man, that was a hell of a performance. I still think I'm better than him, but like, you don't have to try and no sell him when you're obviously full of garbage. Like that's, if you, if he truly believes he what, like truly wasn't impressed, then he's a moron. And that's all that there is to it. Like, what well, did
5: you, did you hear his breakdown of it though? AJ's breakdown. Uh, no. Okay. I, well, I mean, I thought when AJ broke it when it was more than just a quote, I thought he went into it a little bit more. I still don't like it what he said. Like what he yeah. said, but um, and, the, 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 I'm not oh. impressed. It was kind of it's taken slightly uh, out of context because he did elaborate a lot more. He said he left himself wide open for count or whatever he said. But um, I think, he did but, I he think. did say AJ was a great fight. I Me mean, not. Bolkanovsky did is a great great fighter though.
6: I think yeah. Volkanovski has fought four straight fights four differently depending on his opponents and he knew he was not yeah. in any sort of danger against the Korean Zombie so why not take yeah. those risks knowing you're not going to get hurt like it's just yeah. like Andy, that's why Volkanovski is so good he's just a completely different person every time
7: and he wanted Max. to get a win like he wanted to get a, a, yeah, I mean, a, finish, a stoppage like it's just kind of a garbage thing that I think yeah. is yeah. even if when, even if he explained if he, better like, it's just a dumb thing to say you can just be like yeah, I thought that there were some weaknesses, but he's still a great fighter. You don't have and, to say I'm not impressed.
5: And let's just say he he didn't he didn't have the cute French accent like GSP had. It's just, it's <laughs> just, it's just that's, so, a, that's it's, a great. It just point. doesn't sound as cute. That's, that's
4: all. Is, you get some, he's, leeway, uh, with it. Get a, some leeway with it. AJ's, AJ's an incredibly talented dude, but I've never agreed with like tearing down an opponent for the sake of trying to make yourself look better or whatever. Like, I don't understand that. Like if Volkanovsky, I I understand, like I and AJ said this to me too. AJ thinks Max Holloway is the guy and he wants to fight Max Holloway. That's his dream fight. I understand all that. But at the same time, like Volkanovski's the champion. He has two wins over Max Holloway. If you want to be the best guy in the world and say you're the best guy in the world, you're coming to the UFC, it goes through Volkanovski. So I really don't understand saying you're not impressed with him when he is impressive. We've all been impressed by Alexander Volkanovski. Say you're impressed and just say you'll beat him. That's better because you think he's an incredible fighter and I'll still beat him. That would be the better statement. I
7: what do. What about that? <laughs> I would say I do think that AJ presents. I would not pick anyone over Volk. I've been I've been driving that train for as long as Volk's been around. Basically, uh, I think he's. I, I'll pick him in the three match with with Max very easily. I think AJ is at least the kind of guy who presents the problems that could upend Volk. Namely, he has hyper violence in him, and I I don't think you can win a long game against Volk, but I do think you can catch him. You know, he almost got caught by Ortega. That's that's the way to do it, and AJ can do that. I also think Volk is probably just going to have AJ figured out before they step in the cage. Uh, but AJ should super not want Max. I think Max puts a hurting on him. Max has all sorts of problems for AJ as far as I'm concerned.
5: I think that's why he wanted Max, because I think he does feel Max is the toughest fight out there. But um,
7: it's cool. Well, Max not
5: going to matter anytime not matter, yeah. Yeah, man. I think uh, Max Holloway's right,
6: right. absorbed a thousand punches in his career. And if you're going to fight him, it should be probably in the next year or so. Because, like, Guy Rodriguez almost beat him.
7: I've been saying that yeah, for literally yeah. three years, and his chin st- is still impervious somehow. I sure. don't understand it.
3: All right. All right. This one's coming from our good friend Scott McCrate. He says If Pico wins, do we get to see him fight a top five opponent next? It's a good question. I mean, I, this Aaron Pico fight was supposed to be someone else, right? It was supposed to be Kennedy. Yeah, that would I mean, have been a really I mean, interesting a great test. Great
5: fight, yeah. It would have been a really
3: great fight. It's a bummer uh, for Pico. It's yeah. It's just kind of one of those things. This is what we ended up with. What do you guys think? Probably. I mean, yes.
4: I think I think I think, I think you have the to the because rankings. There. They're they've been they they abandoned the let's just throw him to the wolves plan and started kind of feeding him to like you know slowly and slowly feeding him to better and better guys. I'm still an Aaron Pico believer. I think he's still incredibly talented. I don't like. I don't know if he'll ever be. I don't know if he'll be champion because that's still going to be a tough road to either go through like an AJ McKee or even a Patricio Pitbull. But um, you know, I think getting like what was the fight we just saw was it Mads Brunel and uh, yeah. and Adam. That, that, was, I like, think maybe that, he gets think like, the get rematch. B-
6: the rematch against Borges is the one. If that's yeah. right their Pico, that's wins. the one. Yeah, something like that, or I mean, some, like that, or
4: or, or Mads Brunel, like Mads Brunel lost. Give him yeah. Mads Brunel and see how he does, and, and then kind of go from there. Because Boric is supposed to get the title shot. Something like that. Like I think that's. I think that's. I think that's doable. Yeah, well, I, if you're look,
6: if you're going off of Bellator rankings, Aaron Pico is is what four. So yeah. there's only two names above him that aren't in the title fight on Saturday, and that is Boris and Burnell. So it's those are the answers.
7: Dude, do the do the board sing for an interim belt, because after McKee beat after AJ beats Patricio, he's gonna go up to
3: lightweight
0: to get yeah.
7: and Just do it for an interim. That seems yeah. like that's the way to go.
3: Well, you know, you're following logic. We'll see if Bellator actually follows logic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. yep. Fair, fair. None of
5: these promotions follow any logic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Uh, all right. Let's take a couple more and then we'll get out of here. All right. Uh, uh, this one's coming from Jaden Kelly. He says, will Bilal Muhammad consistently be able to take down Vicente Luque? I mean, that's really the question of the fight, right? Like that's kind of one of the major keys coming into this. What do you guys think? Probably not.
6: Uh, so. I think the key word in that sentence is consistently. consistently. Will he be able to yeah. take him down once or twice? Probably, exactly. but great. If you take him down once, keep him down mm-hmm. or continue to take him down. So, consistently,
3: no, but I do think he'll score at least maybe one or two. I wonder, too, whether he can actually hold him down because Vicente Luque yeah. is a scrambler, man. Like, that dude is a shifty character. If you're getting that's, him down, he's usually getting right back up.
7: That's the big well, thing to me, is I don't, Bilal, if you look at the stats, stats, you know, questionable. Ball's take down like efficiency is pretty low. And that's even coming off a down. Uh, he took Wonder Boy down like twenty times off of twenty one shots or yeah. something like that.
6: Also, uh, not for, not low. for nothing. Vicente Luque has some pretty impressive defensive submissions. Yep. Like you shoot on him, he's probably going to be shooting for all kinds mm-hmm. of submissions immediately. So good yep. luck with that.
7: Putting that neck in danger. I. Yeah. I don't – I think Jose's right. Consistently is the problem, what? especially because Luque can get up.
4: I mean he can – he can he can get him down. Bilal's really good as a wrestler against the cage, and I think that's where his biggest advantage. If he's trying to slow Vicente Luque down, is push him against the cage and try well, to work from cage. there. Because you well, do not cage. you do not you do not want to be in open space with Vicente Luque. That's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, but as we've all said, Vicente's uh, you know he's Vicente's not afraid of the takedown because he has such an incredible submission game. Yeah, you know, that's what, you know, in Tyron Woodley, you know, when he was just trading punches with Tyron Woodley and Tyron Woodley finally kind of dove on him, he just grabbed onto the darst choke and, you know, did it that way. And, and he did that to Michael Chiesa, too. Uh, that's, you know, you do it enough times, he'll catch you. And so can he do it? Sure. Can he do it and stay out of danger? No, because I just think Vicente Luque is that good. Yeah.
5: I think what well, Damon said, yeah, because Luque, we're, we're, we're acting like this is the way to beat Luque
3: yeah, holding down. yeah. Like, 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 well, what do you make well, better zone? way yeah. than
7: trying to throw hands with the man well <laughs> damn well, well you from, trying to get Bilal well, killed we already well, saw Bilal well, try well, and throw well, hands with him
5: yeah well, that's what i'm saying well, yeah, from blah but his skill set yeah i just it's it's a really tough tough path for victory for Bilal.
3: yeah all right uh, let's get one more
5: there's other fights gentlemen
3: there are. Oh, I mean, what Joseph Bozen says, what is the under the radar fight for each card? It's it's Huggy Boy, it's Chris Barnett, it's Beast Boy. Dang. Like, what are we doing? How do we go an hour 15 without mentioning Chris Barnett? It's that man ball. is it's a gem, a joy, and we should all appreciate him. What do you guys think? How it's is he, he on, on the
4: prelims?
3: Dude, that's a great
4: question. How is he on the prelims? Like, that the card. card, dude, they put any heavyweight
5: as the co main event for fight nights, they- and yet. Barnett, what?
7: Because Damon, they have no two offense people, to the to the so, truth.
5: Lots of offense, lots of they, offense. Those guys should look, not be co-main. A,
7: a lot of offense. <laughs> they're co The co-main event. Neither man has a wiki page, which again, you can just go make one of those. Like you could do that yourself. And they are both have never fought <laughs> the UFC before. They are both contender series
4: guys. Yeah, they're and they're we came Chris I them up, and the So so was wasn't I wasn't sure how deep we were going to go in the preview show today. So I did some research and I looked them up because I seriously had never heard of either of them before about 20 minutes ago. And I looked them up. I was like, they're con- they- neither one of them have fought the UFC. They're both contender series winners from this year. Or yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? So yeah, I it's, it's a prospect just beyond beyond comprehension that Chris Barnett is not on the main card, much less not the co-main event because this card Beyond the main hey. event is, I, I think it's dumpster fire is is an insult to the rest. Like that's an insult to dumpster hey. fires. I mean,
6: hey, hey, even Anderson Silva and Brock Lesnar didn't have UFC fights, and they debuted in the co-main event. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
6: Oh, no, let me. No, like, I forgot. I con- con- I forgot. Guys. Let's let's throw let's throw Greg Hardy in there too. He debuted in the co-main uh, event as well. You can't like,
7: argue
4: with Jose. He like. went out of the co-main Jose, event, wasn't he? Jose, you are. Episode? Jose, you are the encyclopedia. Do, without looking at the card right now, can you name both of the guys in the co main event and actually pronounce their names right now? Can you do it? Because I know uh, I can. I wouldn't lie to you and I, say I could. I know Cal Bahalio
6: only because he was like tweeting a bunch of stuff, and I can. I know his opponent has a bunch of <laughs> letters that aren't ever next to each other in the American <laughs> dictionary.
7: There you go. There you, there go. you go.
3: Look at that. Also, let's just give a, a last second shout out to Dracar Close finally coming yeah. coming in here. Is this his first fight oh, back since that yeah, yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It
7: is. Answer Joey Bosa here because no, the for the Bellator thing. Kyle from Michael Lombardo is like a pretty good fight that's buried on their yeah. prelims. Also, freaking rest of Manir,
6: Manir Lazet. So is fighting on the main card, of the UFC card too. Handsome boy Manir Lazzez. I'm always excited when he throws down.
5: There you go.
7: Who's he fighting, Jose? Let's end it on that. Off- yeah. <laughs> the co-main event should have been Chris Barnett <laughs> versus so. William
5: Knight. That should have been the co-main event. Just have them just keep running into each other over and over. That's-
7: <laughs> I mean, it, that seems awesome. Yeah. I don't know why we wouldn't do that.
3: Just all do right. a couple of big boys slapping me.
7: <laughs> big boys slapping me is all you ever want. I said it on BTL, I'm say here. If you guys have anything else to do this weekend, family – do that and tune into MMAFighting.com because you don't need to watch this stuff.
3: We'll do it for you. I mean, at least point the people watch back, the, back watch to Watch the, the Bellator Come on. card. Watch the Bellator What's I card. I said tune in to You know what? You know what?
6: You know what? Watch what, what you want to watch, people. Don't listen to Casey. Don't listen to Jed. Just do okay. what you want to watch. Don't, listen, you don't want. listen to Jose and do what you
3: want. Listen to us. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Before we're out, Jose, show us some Bobby Hill tattoo here. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Where we at? Wait, hold on
6: you know, nice little Akatsuki oh, Bobby Hill for. and I tried that. to get it on my leg I was like, can you put this on my leg and my tattoo artist was like, no, you want people to see this, we're putting it right out on the front and I'm like, alright, let's do it so he slapped it on there for everyone to see for the rest of my
3: life look at that that's a prime time placement, man, you're rocking with King of the Hill for the rest of your life, look at that
6: and, and you can't really see, but he even got the Shining Gone Red Eyes in there too shout out to James Tran Full circle tattoo.
3: There we go. This has been your early Thursday afternoon weekend preview. We appreciate you guys for joining us. My name is Sean O'Shaughnessy. We have Damon Martin over there. Jose Young's down there. Jed Michoud down there. And of course, the undefeated E.K. Siglayton, man in the boards. We'll be back Saturday forth. night uh, after UFC. So join us then. We'll be hitting everything from the weekend Bellator UFC hitting it all. Uh, it'll be good stuff. So, hey, stop by, join us. Let's have some fun. In the meantime, Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a fun weekend. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see you all later. Appreciate you rocking with us. Happy birthday, okay? It's not my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the
2: Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your
1: first bet doesn't hit. bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See b bball for eligibility, wagering and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.